Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm Cindy Silva with the Metaphysical Wisdom Podcast. I'm here with my dear friend and colleague, Peggy Black. Welcome, Peggy. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so good to see you again. <laughs> it is. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has. It has. I got to get back up to Santa Cruz and uh, go for one of our hikes again. Well, I'm just really pleased that um, you're going to be part of the Mystic series that I've been hosting, Conversations with Mystics. And I, when I think of a mystic, I think of you, of the people in my life. And I really want to just open the space and the invitation to have you share what, what is a mystic to you and how do you relate to that in your life, your life experiences and anything else you want us to know about yourself? Um, first of all, I think everyone is a mystic. You know, we have labels for things and we, we call ourselves a mother or a professional or a teacher, but each, each and every person has a quality, a quality that could um, render the name mystic. You know, women have such an incredible intuitiveness and sensitivity and connectedness. And to me, that's what mysticism is, is that we're connected to um, our family, our community, our higher self. Women are so able to be in touch with those things. And it's such a natural part of us that I don't believe people call themselves a mystic because they do certain things that are so natural they don't qual they they don't think they qualify as mystic. Mm. That's an excellent point. I had never thought of it that way, but I do remember like having no experience with children and then becoming a mother myself, and these instincts kicked in, and I knew what to do, and I didn't know where exactly. that came from. There was something mystical about that, but I love what you're saying as you're tying in this. Um, feminine brain and instinct to being a mystic. I love that. I think, like I said, I think the, the feminine consciousness, um, when we think about it, we're really all connected. We tap into one another. Um, there's an intuitive guidance that we all receive. And as you said, like becoming a mother, all of a sudden you knew what to do. There was a guidance there. And I know that there are women that love to write and they write poetry or stories or now they're calling them blogs and all that other stuff. But there's an energy that flows through them that allows them to have the right words to say. Uh, I think women are also mystics in the sense of their caring nature, uh, taking care of others. Um, whether it's a friend, a family member, um, one of their pets or animals, women have an instinct on what to do, how to do it. Um, it, it, it there's really no explanation for it. It's just a natural part of who we are. And I think when we allow that natural part of who we are, that mystic part of ourselves uh, becomes more predominant. More, we trust it more. Mm. I love what you're saying. You're saying that it's just really very natural to be a mystic, but 
and maybe you're not saying this, but this is what I'm hearing, that our culture has been so focused on the logical, yes. productive kind of functioning of being human, that that inner instinctive, intuitive part that's so natural to us has been hidden and it now it seems mystical because it's we're, we've been so far removed from it. I, I think you're right. I think our society, our culture has uh, emphasized the logical part, the analytical part, um, which is, is, is more of what you would call the masculine energy. Um, and for centuries, women's intuition, their guidance, their, their caringness and compassion has basically been suppressed. Um, it hasn't been encouraged. Um, and I, th I think that over the course of my lifetime, um, I had an aunt who was a healer and it, she would lay her hands on me or my family members um, and we would feel a shift. Now she, that just came natural to her. She didn't question it. And most of my intuition guidance um, came in that same way. All the work I've done throughout my life, I just it just naturally was an instinct. I haven't taken a lot of classes. I didn't study about healing. I just did it. <laughs> and I think that mothers, especially using that as an example, I think we know how to take care of or heal or shift the energy of our children or our loved ones. And I, I think now, today, in culture, um, women are feeling or are experiencing a permission to, to be more intuitive, to not hide it, to not suppress it. And so I think that that level of mysticism uh, is, is becoming stronger within each individual, but also in the collective. Because yeah. hundreds of years ago, women who were healers, our midwives, our mystics, were burned, um, were killed, were persecuted. And so in the collective consciousness of women or in our culture in general, that hasn't been a gift, uh, an ability that we've really wanted to acknowledge mm. because the collective consciousness was fearful of what would happen if we claimed we were a mystic. Mm -hmm. And that's the same goes for uh, our connection with nature during the burning times the herbalists the shaman uh, the women that worked with herbs all of these natural gifts that we came in with that we were meant to use were repressed were we we were persecuted killed burned for several hundred years and so in collective consciousness, there's a um, 
Mm, I can't think of the word. Repression, even if it's an unconscious repression, mm. that those qualities uh, shouldn't be expressed. So if our children express an intuitiveness, uh, when they express the idea of working with invisible beings, friends, companions, um, we haven't encouraged it, or we weren't encouraged as children. Because of this repressed collective consciousness about being a mystic. Oh, thank you for bringing that forward. And yes, I, I know it's in the collective memory and the DNA. And it really stood out for me once I heard this uh, Falcon trainer. He was being interviewed and he was hired to go to Dubai. And um, they had a pigeon problem. One of the tallest buildings in Dubai, you know, um, very opulence. They want to keep it nice and clean and shiny. And they had a lot of pigeon poop. And it was not a, not, uh, yeah, attractive. So they hired the Falcon trainer and he came and he said, um, most of these pigeons have never seen a Falcon in their lives. Oh my. But he said, they will be deathly afraid of this falcon because it's in the genetic memory from their ancestors that were preyed upon by falcons. And that made me see how much, how similar we are, you know, that yeah. a lot of the fears we have that aren't really justified in the modern world come from a past experience right. from a bloodline passed down to us. And we really want to, um, yeah, be aware um, and choose according to what's what's the need now. And I remember this quote, I don't know who said it, but it's, it's something like consciousness creates these insurmountable challenges so that quantum leaps are, are necessary to, to move past these challenges. And it's the pressure <laughs> of the challenge that forces a quantum leap. And based on what you're sharing, it makes me feel like the quantum leap we need is to return to our instincts and our intuition and to let that guide us in um, solving our challenges. I think, I think you're right. I think we're, um, the word they use is getting a little stale and is waking up, <laughs> but that's what we're doing as a culture. We're waking up. And we're waking up to realize that we have all of these incredible gifts. Um, the work that I do with the team, uh, and they work privately with people that have sessions. Um, have the, the individual clients have repressed their gifts. Their family, uh, when they had some kind of intuition or were seeing visions in some way, new things that they had no explanation for knowing, all of that was invalidated. So they start shutting these doors, but that's all they've done is they've shut the doors. Hmm. Um, the doors are still there. You can open them, you can still access your ability to heal, your ability to be intuitive, um, your ability for remote viewing, uh, telepathy, we have incredible 
um, extra um, sensory gifts that are coming forward. More and more people are expressing these gifts, are sharing about them. And I think those are the qualities that make you or make anyone a mystic. Mm. It's just recognizing what did you do as a child? What was familiar to you? How did you communicate to your pets? Because children are really intuitive connected to their, to their pets that they have. Uh, whether it's a horse or a dog or a cat or bird, um, there's some kind of communication that, that takes place that happens without words. Mm-hmm. So that child at five or six or 10 is really a mystic. They're doing things that, mm. so to speak, isn't logical. Mm, that's great. And that, that child still lives within us. So I hear exactly. what you're saying is reconnect with that innocent yeah. part of us that um, doesn't see right from wrong, you know, in terms of. Um, yeah. It's, it's just it's just a part of who they are, so they don't question it. And if their parents happen to be um, willing to to allow that to be a part without judging it or stopping it, mm-hmm. then the child continues to grow and use that ability and expand on it, not just being able to communicate uh, with animals. But to recognize that human beings are always silently communicating to each other. Yes. We think we have to use words, but there's so much energetic communication that goes on between family members, between strangers that take place that we don't even consciously recognize. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. We're becoming more aware of that, that. So that's good. Um, there's a couple of things I want to make sure to bring up in our conversation today. And uh, one of them is you mentioned your team. And um, I just want to say uh, kind of how we met, if that's okay. We'll go sure. way back, way, way back. I don't know, 20 years. <laughs> at least. Yeah. Or more. Yeah, at least. Um so I had come across a book called The Hathor Material, and there's a lot of synchronicities around that. And I was working with that material and I was journaling every day. And I started receiving your email called Morning Messages. Right. And I would um, read your message and I would think, well, this sounds really familiar. It feels familiar. And in fact, this is exactly what I wrote in my journal today in in maybe slightly different words but same and that kept happening and then I reached out to you for an interview and once I got to know you you revealed to me that your team was actually the Hathors yes so there's another kind of mystical thing where we are part of a particular fractal lineage if you will where we resonate with a particular stream of consciousness that that inspires humanity and you and I were tracking that same fractal in resonance and we came to know each other and then we worked together for several years and supported the team in getting their messages out 
Right. Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge that and say that there was some kind of an invisible connection that we had before we actually met. And then once we met and opened up and shared more and more, we, we the vis invisible became visible. And then it really validated um, that this Hathorian energy was real for me. So thank you again for that. And oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, one of the things that brings up for me to share is um, when we as a divine multidimensional being come into physical form, we come in with a team. Mm. We, everyone, everyone has a team, uh, whether they know it, recognize it, work with the, the beings that come in with them is free will. So everyone, they can call them guides or angels or mentors, whatever. But I think we're all being invited at this time to really recognize that there are spiritual beings, energetic beings, interdimensional beings that personally want to work with you, want to work with each person. And you begin to relate to them, uh, communicate with them in the most comfortable way it feels for you. Everybody, everyone receives their messages differently. Um, but the idea that you even recognize you have a team, I think opens a bigger door to your mysticism, is recognizing I have a team of beings that are working or wanting to work with me, and I have free will to invite them. And, and to be able to just say, send me your messages as many times as you need to, in as many ways as you need to, as often as you need to, until I receive them. So then you've opened the door that might have been closed when you were five. Mm -hmm. And you start having synchronicities occur. Uh, you start recognizing that your dreams are coming to you in a way that there's there an avenue for your guidance. You start hearing things, seeing things, feeling things, and your team begins to work with you in the most appropriate way because there's a multitude of ways these divine beings connect with us. Um, and let's see, I'm 80 now, and I've only been working with my team for the last several decades. So my team was with me when I came in, but it took me all those years to finally get to a place where I recognized that they were there and, and wanting to be in partnership with me. And so right now, I think women particularly, but humanity is beginning to recognize they might have an access to non-physical beings. And, and I think that's just such an enormous part of our, of our mysticism, yeah. our mystery, the mm -hmm. mystery. Thank you for sharing. 
Yes. And for, you know, those that might be listening that that's a little bit too esoteric, I think of it like, you know, we have our physical ancestors, right? So we have record of them. So we don't dismiss the fact that there are other beings connected to our existence on this planet that have affected us and continue to. And then there's these um, non-physical beings, we can call them like um, cosmic ancestors or whatever, our soul family. And we come in, we don't have a physical record of them. So we're, we have to rely more on intuition and instinct to reconnect with that. And one of the ways, and I know you have a fantastic story about this, that we kind of get cracked open to the reality that there's something else here is through heartbreak. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's that shattering that opens us up in a way that we're willing to see things we weren't before. And I wonder if you'd be willing to tell your story about how you recognized your gifts as a sound healer. I, I would love to. Um, well, first of all, as a child, I was always very intuitive. I was empathic. Um, I remember one time asking my mother, what do I do when I hear someone call my name in my head? And she said, answer them. Answer them. It wasn't a mystery for her, but if I was hearing a voice calling my name to answer them. So that kind of made it okay for me to hear things. Um, I also had an ability to see, um, envision. Um, so that's all I had always been kind of a um, an aspect of myself those paranormal gifts or abilities that people have. And it, I had done body work, energy work um, for years. And when I used to work on clients, when I was doing, doing body work or massage, um, I would actually see pictures of their life. It was kind of like watching a video. Um, it took me a while before I realized I couldn't share what I was seeing because it scared a lot of people. It was a little bit too far out for them to even understand that I could see things they had experienced. Um, so that was all a part of who I was. And um, I ended up Coming back, I lived in Arabia for a year and I came back and ended a marriage. And this was one of those relationships that were, it was extremely intense and passionate. And I just loved him dearly, but our relationship was, a dis, it was dysfunctional. He was an alcoholic. So when I came home from Arabia, I realized I had to end the relationship, which I did. And I filed for divorce. And as you said, it cracks you open. I was devastated. Even though it was my choice, I realized I had to do this for my own well being. And 
I couldn't function. I was crying. I was crying at work. <laughs> it was one thing because my daughter and I owned the business so I could cry at work because it was my business. But um, people would say to me, are you okay? And I'll go, yeah, I'm okay. I'm getting a divorce and it's just so painful. And somehow guidance that we get, that intuitive guidance, um, invited me to take these emotions to my altar. Um, and I have an altar. I still have an altar in my closet. And so I would go into my closet and light a candle. And I would say to the divine, here's my grief. I give it to you for transformation. And Cindy, I would cry and wail and keen to the point where I was exhausted. Um, I would get out and take a shower and go to work. <laughs> and another time I would be, I'd go to my altar and I'd say, here's my rage. And I would scream and pound the floor and express my rage. And so over the course of about 10 months, nine or 10 months, when the emotions came up, rather than suppress them, uh, divert them, I expressed them. But I did it in a very sacred and holy way in the sense that I gave them to divine to transform. And it was, it was a painful, uh, powerful process that I experienced for those months. And it was at the end of, I don't know, nine or 10 months <clears throat> that I was giving my mother a massage. And after I said my prayer, I opened my mouth and these big, huge, strange sounds came forth. <laughs> and it kind of scared both of us, right? And I asked my mother, can I, can I try it again? And she said, yes. So for the next 10 or 15 minutes, these unusual, strange, big sounds came through me. And she sets up on the massage table, sweet, little sweet person. And she said, I don't know what you've just done. It's the strangest thing you've ever done. But I don't hurt anywhere. Well, Cindy, I'm very tactile and visual. I had never, ever thought of using sound in singing or chanting or any of the things that might have invited this. So this was a, a, an ability that was really at the opposite end of who I was. And so many years ago before it was popular. Oh, this was, this was like, gosh, I'm trying to think. In the 90s, like 95. Mm. Um, so I came home and I told my massage clients this might happen. And it started happening with all of them. And what was happening, as I did that with each individual, aspects of their body that had been locked up uh, began to heal pains that I couldn't get rid of in doing massage your energy work, cleared up. Uh, I started doing 
research, like what, what is this that I'm doing? And I began to realize I was a re, like a radio receiver and I was channeling these sounds. So all of that work I did at my altar to clear emotions, to process them, opened the door for me to be able to do this kind of sound work. Um, and I don't know, it was, as I was doing massage work, I was starting to get guidance, verbal in my head um, of what to do. And I could see in the body where people's uh, had blocked up energy. And um, I started doing this work and it was just unfolding in a natural way. I didn't have any idea who was working with me, you know, how it was coming about. Um, and I um, was given the Hathor book, the same one that you, you were given. And I read it and I went, oh, I must be working with these Hathors. I had no idea what a Hathor was. <laughs> but I realized from what I read that somehow I had tapped into that collective energy, that, that consciousness uh, that we call Hathors because they work with sound. Mm -hmm. And so I'd become a vehicle, a receiver of their, of their energy. And I did that for 10 years. Um, I did sounds at conferences, sound pods. I started sound pods. All my clients I was working with with sound. Um, I started speaking at sound conferences and all of those things just naturally unfolded. And <clears throat> at one time I realized I was traveling on sound waves because I was gifted an all expense trade trip to Egypt to do sounds in the temples and the pyramid. I was given an all expense paid trip to Ireland during the Venus transit to do sounds in the sacred, sacred circles there. Uh, and I think after about 10 years, the energy of this team wanted me to translate their energy into words. Yeah. And so I started taking down their words and that became the morning messages. So it all began when I was willing to process the intense pain I was feeling from the ending of that marriage and that love. Mm -hmm. This is really interesting because I hadn't put this together before, but um, it was 1995 when my brother passed and I had process the heartbreak and it was when I was living in Minnesota at the time and I flew here to California where he was living here in Avila Beach where I live now and the woman her name was Norma who did the service is the one who gave me the Hathor book ah amazing so interesting it was both in 95 where exactly 
Yeah. Well, I realize, and and this is true if if a lot of individual now <clears throat> are being contacted or tapping into this Hathor energy. Um, so I knew they were Hathors from that book. And I discovered that the person that had written the book, Tom Kenyon, was going to be in Santa Cruz. So I ended up going to that book, um, um, his presentation, and I knew him. We just knew each other. And so I, I, I started going to all of his events. And that's another place I met you. Mm-hmm. is at the Tom Kenyon events. Um, and he works with sound, powerful sounds. Um, so it's interesting how, how we're all kind of guided, the synchronicities of it. The, um, I think Deepak Chopra talks about synchronicities and how once we get into a flow the universe supports us moving along. And I think that's true. And a lot of individuals listening to, to our conversation can recognize how the synchronicities in their life have allowed them to develop more and more of their mystical abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something else informing us. That's absolutely. Yeah, we're being informed by something that is not playing by the rules of this dimension, right? That's not a linear uh, language. It's this language of symbolism and archetypes and um, alchemy, right? The the ability to transmute something by shifting vibration, which is the whole thing that you did where you took this lead of your heartbreak and turned it into the gold of your life's work. Exactly. And it's, and I will say, once I trusted what was happening and just allowed it to unfold, um, the last several decades have been absolutely miraculous. There's no other way to put it. Um, Everything unfolds I want to say in such a natural way, it's not even surprising anymore. It just, I just am grateful because it, it's just, there's just a natural flow, whether it's interviewing with you or doing sessions with the team or other things that occur, you know that. And I know other people listening to this know that as well. They know things unfold in their life and when they look back they can go oh because of that situation that cracked me open to this coming about and we can follow those steps or those processes uh, in ways that are uh, are quite miraculous and phenomenal Mm -hmm. yes that's Mm -hmm. a wonderful way to to look at it, just it makes you trust life that you realize you're not the doer you're being done through. I mean, you are exactly. taking action and so forth, but there's something else informing that action and making the connections, making sure you meet the right people at the right time and have the right resources when you're- Or read the, or read the right book at the right time. 
uh, listen to the right program at the right time that somehow clicks something within you. And from there, your talent comes forward. And I think you use this word and it's such a big word to remember, trust. Trust that it's gonna unfold. Trust that you are a mystic. Trust that you have abilities that can come forth when you invite them. Mm -hmm. Whether you dance, you meditate, you spin. Um, there's so many ways to connect to that mystical part of yourself. My goodness, there's just enormous amount of tools <laughs> that are given to us to open those doors. Yes. And speaking of tools, you have so many programs on your website. And let's mention that now, morningmessages.com. And you and I put together, you put together all the uh, curriculum, but I hosted uh, many workshops online, yes. sound healing yes. and transformational tools, and they're all available for people to still engage with. And these are timeless teachings. So it doesn't matter that they were recorded 12 years ago or more. It's, <laughs> <I know. laughs> they're timeless and um, effective. And you have this great ability to structure information in a way that's digestible and you always give so much more value like than um, people anticipate a lot coming to your courses, but they come away realizing they got more than they actually. Oh, thank you. Would. Yeah, so it's, it's been so fun. Um, <clears throat> I'm a Capricorn, and so it's nice to organize information. Um, I, lo I love the idea of doing um, webinars. And so that was fun to create the images and the words that informed people of alchemist tools, mm -hmm. alchemist chambers, yeah. uh, the use of sound. Um, I think we, I even did one um, connecting with your, uh, your team. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what it's called, but. So sounds familiar. Something like that. And those are all available, like you said, on my website. And all they do is they kind of inform you or the whoever chooses to participate in connecting with their own ability as a mystic or a channel, or they they tap you into your ability to be the writer that you want to be. Um, or to create classes that you want to be as a teacher. Um, yeah, they put you in touch with your mystic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it's what just you've been doing it all along. You know, just <laughs> when when you tap into that aspect of yourself, you want to you know light other people's candle, right? You want to give let that Absolutely. flame be used for other people to connect to their mystical perception it's i just did a newsletter that's going to go out <clears throat> next week and in the newsletter one of the things that uh, was emphasized emphasized was the anniversary of harmonics convergence mm. and that happened in 87 and i didn't have a real clue to to the significance of it but intuitively, I knew it was important. 
And <clears throat> I went to the beach with a group of people and we spent the night in prayer and meditation and chanting, anchoring, being the receiver of the energy that was being given to the planet. And HeartMath, I just put in the newsletter, is an institute in, uh, that you can, anyone can look up. Um, and they're talking about, um, let me get this here. They're talking about the power of the collective intention. Collective intention. And that's what Harmonics Convergent was about, is millions of people all over the planet paused in those, those particular block of time to anchor uh, an awakening of consciousness. And so I think that's been happening for a lot of people predominantly. And I think periodically we have those windows, those doors, the um, cosmic uh, gifts that are given that trigger us to wake up, mm. trigger us to own our bigger, our bigger self. We get caught up in being physical, physical takes a lot of, it takes a lot of time to be physical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff you have to take care of. And our focus becomes, that's our focus. And yet if we can recognize ourselves as these multidimensional divine beings who's intuitive and sensitive and connected, it shifts how we interface with our physical reality. Mm -hmm. I use a lot, a very, a very powerful tool I use daily is intentions, mm. the spoken word, how we, how we address our reality. Um, because if you think about it, the quantum field is energy and we're always relating to that energy. Mm -hmm. Whether you're the mother, the teacher, the wife, um, what you say, what you feel, what you think is relating to that field. And so I, I, I say intentions daily. I have intention partners that I use um, that we together witness each other's intentions. Uh, in fact, I just did a session with a lady who I suggested that to, and she <clears throat> became partners with her sister. And the two of them daily say their intentions and witness each other's intentions. She says, I'm amazed. It's so magical to speak something and make an intention and have it manifest. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so important in our world today where there's so many distractions and it's hard to focus to have a practice like that is to really get in touch with what matters to you and to speak it and to keep looking for evidence in your life that supports it. And, you know, I think oh, of it like- Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so when I read this morning that heart math is inviting and recognizing the power of a collective intention. Yeah. So you and I can make intentions, uh, a group can make intentions, but can you imagine humanity? Mm -hmm. 
owning a collective intention for world peace or um, all the things that we would like. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a... It's exciting. Um, yeah, it's very positive and, and we need that in our world to know that we have that capacity to choose. We get to choose mm -hmm. and only have one thought in our attention at any given time and we're getting to, we get to choose that thought exactly if we're, um, if we're healthy just, you know health is a big piece of that <laughs> taking care and, of your brain and body and the team is always saying to be careful what you focus on mm -hmm. because what you focus on is what's going to be created and the team will say most humans use their divine creative ability upside down and backwards. <laughs> so we focus on what we don't want, what we don't like, what we don't have, and therefore we get more of that. Yeah, it's like a reversal. Yeah, so it's easy to focus on uh, your financial situation from a negative place, but the more you focus on not having any, the universe can't give you anything different. Yeah. It, we are wired, you know, in our brain uh, with a negative bias because of our uh, need to survive. But that exactly. comes from the lower part of the brain, right? Then we have another whole part of our brain that's more inspired by creating, right? Instead of going back and trying to fix things, evolution moves forward and creates. So even we just know that we have a natural negative bias um, mentally geared towards survival, that gives us an advantage there, being aware of that. Exactly. Well, the team says, first of all, when we come into physical reality as a divine consciousness, this particular dimension and reality is an energy field of unconscious limitation. So the minute that we come into a physical body, we're this divine conscious, powerful being beyond measure. The minute we come into a physical body, we go unconscious mm -hmm. and we're programmed with limitation. Mm -hmm. And so our conscious mind is always operating from that limited programming. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's a natural thing to think from a place of limitation. But when we recognize we are our divine consciousness in the physical body, then we can make different decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I had an experience of that, like um, where I took a break from the network, I had to have a surgery. And after that surgery, I had um, anxiety and claustrophobia. And it was something I'd never dealt with in my life. And I realized that the surgery was very traumatic on my body. So I had trauma in the body. And then mm -hmm. when I would try to move forward with my creative ideas, I would have so much resistance because I was actually operating through a wounded animal, the body, mm -hmm. this wounded creature, and it, um, it didn't feel trusting, right, and secure. So I had to really work with that um, resistance. And 
what I realized is that when we identify with the body, I mean, definitely the body is part of who we are, but when we identify with it, we're going to identify with those fears and limitations. But if we identify with the creative energy moving through the body, then we can hit those resistances and then acknowledge them lovingly and integrate them um, and move forward with our creating anyway. Yes. it's, It's a conscious choice all the time. It's, and like the team will say, Um, the goal when you wake up and become aware of all of this is that you'll go unconscious a number of times a day because it's like fish swimming in water and you're telling them don't get wet. So humans are going to fluctuate. You're going to be aware and you're going to be unconscious. You're going to be aware. You're going to be unconscious. The goal is to not stay unconscious. The goal is to recognize, whoa, I dropped into a place of worry. I dropped into a place of woundedness. I dropped into a place of limitation. And then just acknowledge it and move out of it. Yeah. Move out of it. And uh, I know the team's messages I've been receiving and listening to for a long time. So I know them and I still go unconscious throughout my day. I'll get a phone call that's disturbing. Uh, I'll hear news or a piece of of my equipment, the computer or phone or something will malfunction and it spins me and I go into a place of unconsciousness, Mm -hmm. powerlessness or being the victim or all the other names you can say, but you're not, you're not in your power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being human, Peggy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's important. I have that one too about the technology. (laughs) I get triggered when things don't work. I love to be in flow. When things aren't flowing, it's just like, oh, gotta get back into flow, my comfort zone. I have a phrase that I love. I don't know where I acquired it, but it's the universe rearranges itself to fit your picture of reality. So true. Yeah. And so if you're always worried about mm, your health or you're always worried about money or whatever, then that's what the universe is going to provide for you. Or you can shift it. And um, I have a phrase, you know, this phrase, blue sky money. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when I started using that, but I was just grateful for blue sky money. And that was income that came unexpectedly. And it, uh, It's such a big reality for me that my office goddess actually has in QuickBooks a column called Blue Sky Money because there's there's donations that are made. I'll go to the post office and there'll be a check for $50. I'll go to the post office and be a check for $1,000. It's all Blue Sky Money. And so I created 
a reality for myself that the universe has my back. Mm -hmm. The universe is supporting me. And so therefore it does. And I think this is again, a part of being the mystic, trusting that all of this is unfolding for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. It's really that coming back to trust. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's really helpful because when we're trusting, we're relaxed. Yeah. And exactly. when we're relaxed, the um, cosmic energy can flow through us, right? But when we're tense, if we're not trusting and we're trying to control everything, our body's tighter and uh, exactly. our mind and emotions, everything is a little bit uh, compromised. But when we trust, as you say, that the universe is conspiring on our behalf because we are that, you know, that is, that is yeah. our higher self, then we can relax and be playful and be curious about where that next blue sky money is when it's going to land. And Exactly. Yeah. And another thing that that's so valuable to remember is we're all empathic. Mm -hmm. So everyone is sensitive. We're all feeling, um, a lot of the issues and um, negative and misqualified energy that's on the planet, we're feeling it. Mm -hmm. uh, and when we feel, like you said, you feel um, threatened or uh, wounded or sad, um, the team always invites us to ask ourselves, what percentage of that feeling is really personally yours? Mm -hmm. Because the minute we feel something, sadness, fear, anger, um, we connect to that larger field of that emotion. It's like we connect, like on, I like the idea that right now, all around us is energy. And if we're using the right equipment, we can connect to certain parts of that energy. So if we have a television, we can turn it on and there's all of these choices, movies, programs, news, so forth. That energy of that program is out there. Mm -hmm. And we just got a piece of equipment that allows us to connect with it. And so when we realize that's going on, emotions that are given or felt by the collective is out there. Mm -hmm. So we're always tapping into that program, whether it's our joy, our gratitude, our love, or it's our fear, our sadness, our woundedness. When we are wounded, we tap into or turn on the program of woundedness that's in the collective, which can be overwhelming. Right. And because it's what well, we said that the brain is wired to a negative bias. Right. Most people aren't conscious and aware of that we have to spend extra effort to move into the positive. So you're right. That's a very strong channel. Exactly. And there's, of course, lots of fear going on dysfunction going on if we feel it ourselves we know we've tapped into that bigger picture and the thing same thing is with love when 
when we observe a couple that's in love, we feel it and we connect to that love. And it's, it's just such a delicious feeling. Or seeing a new baby. Everyone sees a new baby and there's some kind of thrill about that new life, that fresh beginning. Um, and so we tap into good feelings that are out there, but we also frequently tap into the bigger picture of dysfunction. So it's just an awareness mm -hmm. that the sadness you're feeling, some of it is yours, but not all of it. Mm -hmm. And that's where the team is always inviting us to use sound to clear that, you know, much like the ritual I did or the work that you've done to clear uh, a trauma or, or something in your body. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really very, very helpful. And I know you wanted to leave us with a message about um, the importance of what we bring to the world and that we matter. And so I wanna give you time to do that as we're coming to the end. Um, everything you said has just landed really in resonance with me and it's really realizing it's, how much I've missed you. <laughs> I know, I was thinking the same thing. It's, it's like, it's so easy to have conversations with you. Mm -hmm. We did it for many years. I have missed it. And today I was looking forward to this because I knew there's a flow that we have that's just real natural. And I love your insights. I love your um, translations of some of the things that I share and how it all just kind of is like a, an excellent game of like ping pong where it's back and forth and back and forth, but it's um, so loving and so clear that you invite me to speak uh, with greater clarity, oh. you know, and I'm looking at you, you have such an absolute glow about you. It's <laughs> just nice to see your face again. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have the right equipment today, I guess. <laughs> inside and out. Excellent. <laughs> so to answer your question, um, the most important thing is for each and every person to recognize they make a difference. Um, I think frequently people feel, well, I'm only one person that can't make a difference. But the truth is, Everyone makes a difference. Um, I did a session and the team was talking to this individual and was sharing with her that when she goes out and she says she goes out and she's really grateful to the trees and she sends the trees energy. And the team said they wanted her to realize her gratitude for those trees, the trees now communicate with one another. And that gratitude goes out as if every tree ah, felt her gratitude. Mm -hmm. Now, this is one person mm -hmm. feeling grateful to be in nature and acknowledging it energetically. But the team was saying it wasn't just that tree 
or trees that she was being grateful for. It was rippling out to that entire network. And we're, I'm watching this wonderful series, um, um, The Green Planet. And it's all about nature and um, how trees do communicate to each other through fungus under the ground in ways that we've never been aware of. And so back to every single person makes a difference. Whether you're being kind to a stranger, um, you're making prayers or intentions for the well-being of a situation. Whether you're inviting divine beings to interface with our planet in for the well-being of humanity. Every single person has a part to play. It doesn't matter if you're a child or an elder, uh, your thoughts, your prayers, your words make a difference. And I think that's so important for everyone to recognize that they're truly powerful beyond measure mm. and they might feel small and insignificant, but you have no idea what your words, how your words make a difference. Mm. I had a, a situation where a family member, um, when they were young, um, I said something to them. I knew they were having a hard time. And I said, you know, you have to recognize that life wants to come forth. And I said, have you ever seen a little flower bloom from two pieces of concrete on the walk? And that little, that little green thing will just pop up and, and, and express itself. And I said, if there's strength in that one little plant to be alive, you're important. And so any of the, that was kind of the conversation. And it was years later that they were sharing with me. When they were having that conversation with me, they had called me to say goodbye, that they were getting ready to take their own life. Mm. And I just shared that story, unaware that that was what was in their thoughts. But they said that conversation they had with me changed their thought of killing themselves. I had no idea. And yet I made a difference in their life. So we're always making a difference in individuals' lives, and we might not even be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that what you're saying, because and how you brought it forward, where you talked about the mycelial connection and the network that connect that we're realizing everything's connected. So right. every thought we have, whether it's positive or negative, is affecting the whole, even if it's exactly. very, very subtle. And the more we can bring kindness to the world, we you, what you said to that one person may not have just affected her, but every other person that was having that thought. Yes, we don't it know. Out. Yes. Yeah. So we just uh, want to be bringing out the best of 
what we can in the moment to acknowledge everyone as being uh, valuable and having a place and belonging in this world and reinforce that for ourselves first, right? Because we can't yes. give it until we have it. So we don't want to abandon ourselves to save everyone else. But um, once we've taken care of ourselves in that way, with that acknowledgement, it's- It just becomes natural then. Close. It wants to be given like yeah. you with your um, sounds. You know, they wanted to be come through you to benefit others. So, yeah. And, and I think, I think people in general want to be kind. Mm. They want peace. They want harmony. Um, and I think that's why we're so shattered <clears throat> by some of the horrific things that happen. Um, Unfortunately, that's what we focus on. And that doesn't resolve. Uh, I do a process called, by the, the team has invited me to do a process that I call news homework. And so every day I read the headlines of two newspapers. And um, because I was so disturbed by the news and they had me recognize who I was and said, this is what we would like you to do. So I don't read the articles. I read the headlines. Most of the time, uh, scan things. And at, when I finish, I just close my eyes and I say, I call upon divine beings to minister to every situation that these headlines represent. Heal them, lift them shift the consciousness of humanity regarding these issues. And so in that first hour of being awake, I've invited a multitude of divine beings of light, of love and healing to work on this planet. Mm -hmm. And the team said, if just 10% of humanity did that for a period of days, it would transform the world mm -hmm. because most people look at the news from a place of hatred, worry, anger, fear, and they're not transforming it. They're adding to the very thing they're opposed. Mm -hmm. Unconsciously intending more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that goes back to what you said about heart math with building a collective intention. Yeah. Yeah. So bring that positive forward. So it feels like a very strong value for you is- It is, and the thing is, it back, it's back to your question. Every single person makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Makes a difference. And one of the things that we have to realize that uh, we don't think about is that when we interface with each other, passing on the street, um, traveling, at social gatherings, at the marketplace, we exchange energy. Happens in the blink of an eye. Um, everything that I know and have studied and am aware of is offered to that other person. Whether they're capable of taking it and using it is their free will. But we do that all the time. Yeah. So the books I've read, 
the workshops I've attended, the workshops you've done, when you interface with people, you trigger their remembering, you trigger their awakening. And we're always doing that with each other. Mm -hmm. We're always triggering someone to wake up. Now, they have free will, so they might get triggered, but they might decide to hit the snooze button again. Yeah, and it might take more. Like, you know, every variety of tree has its maturation process, right? Some trees bear fruit in the first year or two, and others take a decade. So we're all, you know, imprinted uniquely that we want not, there's not a one size fits all. We have to give no. everyone their space and time to unfold. To wake up, yeah, to unfold, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, this has been well, such yeah. a joy. Yay, it was. And thank you for bringing my glow forward. And I love your background. And thank um, you. Like literally and figuratively in this moment and your life, that all the experiences you've had that thank have you. brought you to this moment that inspired me to invite you to this conversation. I love it. Such a giver. Um, Let's just mention your website one more time for people and anything else you want them to know. um, You know, if they want Um, to hear from you. The website, the website to connect with the the team's messages is morningmessages.com. And you can go on that website and there's lots of free information. Um, You can sign up. And uh, if you do, you'll start receiving the team's messages. You'll get one every third day. I spaced it so you wouldn't, your email wouldn't be overloaded. So every third day you'll get a new message. And once a month, um, you get a new transmission that's from the team. Um, I offer, because of Cindy's work back way back when, I offer two free um, teleconferences a month. Um, and that's also uh, announced in the letters. Um, Wisdom Wednesday is still going on. And I do a gratitude, um, guidance and gratitude program in which people can actually ask the team a question. So that's an hour program that's free the last Monday of the month. Um, There's a lot of um, free programs that people can participate in or check out. Um, There's the web webinars that are available, Um, but that's morningmessages.com. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Peggy. Oh, you're so welcome. I come see you again up in Santa Cruz. Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. Yeah, Neil was just asking last night. He says, I thought Cindy and Pat were going to come by. And I said, no, they stayed a little longer in Shasta. Yeah, we ended up (laughs) staying longer. Yeah, I mean, just such beauty. It was hard to only stay a couple days. We needed to. Oh, it's gorgeous up there. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll get there. Well, thank you for this opportunity. I love sharing this information. Yeah, you're very good at it. And you're looking so good. Thank I'm you. Grateful that you're doing so well and um, thank you. Still inspired by continuing to be a instrument of um, mysticism and well-being for our world. Thank you. <laughs> thank you everyone for tuning in. It was
pleasure having you witness our conversation and um, hope to have you back for more. Bye for now, everyone. Bye-bye and blessings. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Thank you.